Well, welcome, Valley family, and for those of you who are visiting with us, uh, you're joining us in the middle, sort of, of a series called Teach Us to Pray. And, uh, you know, we as believers, we know that we, we, we want to pray. We know that we need to pray. We have a strong desire to pray. But oftentimes, we kind of get bogged down a little bit, you know, and it, 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 prayer loses its luster, Right? Uh, we, we, we're not being, we don't feel the excitement. Maybe we don't see how impacting uh, that we'd like it to be in, in our lives or in the lives of others. So we hope that through this message series that, you know, all of us can help realize these goals about having our prayers become more exciting, more effective, and, uh, and certainly more impacting in our lives and in our lives and also in our families' lives, right, in the world around us. So as uh, George had introduced me, um, my name is Jamie uh, Farajella. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I'm filling in for Dr. Greg Williamson, right? Dr. Greg is taking uh, a much-needed vacation, and we're so glad that he's taken that opportunity to do that with his family. So I want to do a quick review. Again, this is message number three, so a quick review of the two past messages that Dr. Greg brought to us regarding prayer. So week number one is the difference, was about the difference that prayer can make. And Dr. Greg shared with us that real prayer is driven by relationship, not need or a crisis, which is like a rescue prayer. But even the, the prayer that we're talking about here uh, is oftentimes referred to as the Lord's Prayer. It's really not the Lord's Prayer. It's how Jesus instructed his disciples, you and me, on how to pray right so when we start that prayer it's our father so it's relationship we're talking to our father in heaven so that's what uh, week number one greg was underscoring that it's all based out of relationship then week number two in that relationship one of the ways that we can foster and strengthen that and and make our prayers uh, uh, exciting and rewarding and know that we're we're uh just always, you know, hear, have the Father's heart. The Father hears what's going on in our hearts is to have this constant contact, right? And Greg was kind of relating, it's, it's like when you're texting. You're always texting, like for him it was with his wife. Always staying in constant contact with her. Well, that's what God, what we can do with God and what God has available for us is to remain in constant contact with him who's our creator, right? And so that's how relationship prayer is to be fostered. That we just always, our hearts are open to him. And he, Greg was even saying, we need to pray without ceasing. So this week, there's three main verses that we're going to take a look at. And that's out of Luke chapter 11, verse 1, 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9, and Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. And the theme for our series is this. It really is. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. So, you know, you, you wonder, what may have the disciples seen about Jesus and his prayer life, right? Were they making a connection between the prayers that Jesus was saying and how God was using him to impact people around him? I mean, think of the, what had happened up to this point the disciples were actually able to witness the Sermon on the Mount, 
where Jesus is speaking to the deepest need of the human heart. They saw him perform miracles. And they also saw, you know, Jesus just in constant prayer, being before the Father, and having his life empowered by his creator, by his Father. So obviously there was something different here about Jesus. And they said, you know, Jesus, we, we were brought up Jewish. We knew about prayers. But there's obviously something different about the way you're praying than the way that we were taught. And we want some of that. We want our lives to look like that. We want to be ministering to people and touching and influencing people's lives like you are. Now, in this prayer, right, the, the, what we call the Our Father or the Lord's Prayer, in Matthew chapter 6, there's a verse that is, is added. Uh, it's a detail that is not found in Luke. And, and just for your words, you say, well, why is one in, in one and one not in the other? Well, the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're called synoptic Gospels. And what that means is they're to be read together. So for us to get a full comprehension and perspective of what's going on, it's good to read those events together. All right? So what we see here is in Matthew, we see he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, you know, one of the exciting things about this prayer is it, it's not a prayer that we just say, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and we just kind of like fatalistically toss up the prayer to God saying, well, it's your will. Let your will be done, God. Whatever it is, I'm not quite sure what it is, but whatever it is, let it be done. What's really being said here, remember, Jesus is instructing his disciples on how to pray. If we are to, to describe what is the kingdom of God, we're praying your kingdom come. Well, what is that? The kingdom of God is the dominion of Jesus over the hearts of mankind. We can describe it that way. That's where Jesus is ruling and reigning over our hearts. So your kingdom come, come down and rule over the hearts of men. So Jesus is kind of like lifting this prayer up. He's saying, you know, my disciples, here's a way to kind of to, to have this a different kind of prayer. This isn't a personal prayer. This is one that's lifted up higher. It's different. It needs to be viewed and, and approached with that in mind. So this one is focused on God's kingdom too, right? And he invites us to join and partner with him in accomplishing the Father's will on earth. And then, with your will be done, so we're, we're praying, your kingdom come, then your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What we're doing there is we're raising our hand up to God in a collaborative partnership. Now, God, we're willing to co-labor together with you so that your will can be carried out in the earth. He said, Jamie, Really? But you know, you think about it, when we read the Bible, how is God's will and how does God typically work on the earth? It's through people. It's through you. It's through me. You look at God all the way back through the scriptures, right? We have kings and judges and prophets. We have people like Mary 
God sent a human Messiah who was fully God and fully man. It's just, and then with spreading the gospel, he sends, he, he tells feet to go. He works out his will through us. For those of us who have the rule and the reign of Jesus in our hearts. I know I've been guilty of this too, so this is a, hopefully I cast that in a little bit different perspective for you about when we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Now, we can just pray that prayer that way, but I think there's more. There's more to that prayer. There's a little bit more depth in that prayer. And again, it's just supposed to be a framework and a model for us to pray. What we're not supposed to be praying is something like, my kingdom come with frills and fun on earth as I hope in heaven, right? Because this prayer, right, the prayer that Jesus is teaching the disciples, it's not about us. It's about God and his agenda, your kingdom, your will, not my kingdom and my will, right? So prayer is not just a place that we can go and we kind of dump off a to-do list to God, right? To say, God, okay, you got this. You know, here are all the things that I need. Or just to kind of catch God up on the things that are happening in our lives. God, did you see what she said to me? You know, did you hear about this? You know what's going on with my kids? You know, I'm really broke. I could use some money, you know? Prayer is not, God cares about those things, but that's not the thrust of this prayer. That's why I say this prayer is a higher prayer. It's a different prayer, right? I think what's kind of jaded our perspective here, oh, excuse me, as a culture, are drive throughs where we, you know, fast, fast food drive throughs I mean, you think about it, right? You pull up to one of the, of the, the kiosks there, you roll down your window, and what do we do? We place an order. Can I take your order, please? And then within seconds, we drive up to the next window. And there's an arm that just drops a bag to, you know, throw it. It's like, man, this is great. Okay, God, did you see that? that that's how I need you to work, you know? And, and you think about how disappointed we are, right? We open up the bag, and it's not what I asked for. This is not what I ordered, right? And how many times we pray a prayer, and God... Well, that's not, he, he, I think he answered it. I'm not sure. I didn't get what I asked for. What's up, God? Right? Or worse yet, right? You pull up and they'd say, I'm sorry, your order's not ready. God, do you mind pulling over there? We'll bring it out to you when it's ready. So we pray these prayers to God and sometimes we don't get what we ask for. Or he says, you know, no, you're going to have to wait on that one, Right? You know, I think about when I was a young married man, and you know, I believe that when the scripture says that the two shall become one flesh, that my wife and I spiritually, when, when, when that happened, we got married, that really happened. But as you married folks might know, might be aware of, the spiritual happens immediately. How we walk that out and grow is a little bit different, Right? And so you, gotta, you have to kind of live together for a while. You get to know which, what each other's perspectives are on things. And, and I can remember, you know, sometimes those perspectives don't line up. And I can remember times where my wife and I, uh, very young, but, uh, you know, we just wouldn't see eye to eye. And so, you know, I, was, I, I knew Jesus then. And, you know, he was my savior. I was a believer. And I'd go into my closet. 
and I'd be there and I'd be praying, God, you know, my wife and I were just not seeing, she's not seeing that I'm really right on this point. And, and please, could you just kind of touch her heart and just change her heart a little bit so she'll understand how right I am. And there I, I'm praying, praying, I'm waiting for him to answer, and I'm hearing this word, jerk. <laughs> now, I know what you're thinking. That was not my wife praying in the next room about her husband. Okay? This is how God deals with me. I know he deals with us all individually and uniquely. The way God deals with me is with a velvet-covered two-by-four. And that's how he gets my attention. It's really nice and soft on the outside, but man, there's some meat there. And so the point of the matter is God was just dealing with my own heart, huh? I was praying with the wrong motivation, with the wrong intention, and God, <clears throat> yeah, God wants to do, you know, change all of us, right? He wants to grow all of us, mature all of us. But God was more concerned about what was going on in my heart and that once I got my heart right with God, then I could have a, a really nice discussion with my wife, one that was out of love and gentleness. So you think about how different could our prayer life be if we made it focused about bringing God's kingdom into our situation instead of bringing our situation to him. Right? So what is the goal of a thy kingdom come thy will be done kind of prayer. It's not to get God focused on us, but to get us focused on God. While, and while we're, we're focusing on God, right, it's to bring, to bring heaven to earth and aligning our hearts, there it is, with his will. So, what's the challenge here? There is an additional scripture that talks about God's will. And we'll find that in 1 John 5, where it says, This is the confidence, confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything, here it is, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, and whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. Wow. So what's this implying to us? Well, number one, God wants us to be confident in the results of what we ask of him, right? The requests that we bring to him. Number two, he doesn't want us guessing what his will is. So now the questions for us are, how can we align our hearts with God's will so that we can pray a thy kingdom come, thy will be done kind of prayer with the proper perspective and the proper motivation. And the second question is, does the Bible offer us an example of how this might look? What requests can we make known to God that align with God's will? So there is such an example that we can find in First Chronicles. Now, the, the book of Chronicles is basically, a, it's like a genealogy. There was like a census taken, and it shows all of the genealogy from Adam and in certain sections all the way up through David and then beyond. So what you find is this. You start reading, and if you're a new Christian or new believer, don't start here, okay? Start in the Gospel of John, I recommend. Don't start in Chronicles. That's an interesting read, but it goes something like this. 
So this person begot this person who begot this person who begot this person who begot this person begot this person begot this person begot this person. And it's going on and on and on about who begot who, right? Meaning who, who, which son was born to which father until it gets to this, this man named Jabez. Jabez. So let's take a look at a man named Jabez. It says here, 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. And it goes on to say, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me, enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm, so I will be free from pain. And look at this. And God granted his request. Jabez prayed a thy kingdom come, thy will be done type of prayer 400 years before Jesus instructed his disciples on how to pray. So interesting things about Jabez, the name Jabez sounds a lot like the Hebrew word for pain. In in Old Testament times, the children were, were named by their mother or parents based upon what was happening at the moment, right? When they were being born. Or it could have been from a prophecy that was spoken over the child that would point to their destiny. So Jabez could have potentially been living prophetically a life of pain. This could have been his daily experience. So all of us have pain somewhere, don't we? So let's think for a moment about the pain that we're currently undergoing right now in our lives. We have pain maybe in our relationships, maybe our finances, our work, our health. And we'll get most, the most out of this message if we just think about our pain so there's four distinct requests in his prayer where pain, right, pain cries out. <clears throat> and, and this is not what we typically would pray when we're in pain. We would pray a prayer to God saying, God, do you see my pain? You see, Lord, I'm hurting. There's pain here. Can you help me in my pain? And in our tough situations, or but in our tough situations, we need our pain to cry out this way as Jabez did. So Jabez prayed a more honorable prayer. This is pain crying out. A more thy kingdom come, thy will be done type of prayer. It was focused on God, not himself. And he was understanding that the answers to his prayer would either relieve or diminish or free him from his pain. Right? So maybe, maybe the way that we get rid of the pain in our lives It's not for God to deal with our pain. Maybe there's another prayer that we can pray other than God, take away my pain. How then should we pray? What are the four elements that, that Jabez prayed that maybe we can emulate so that we can relieve our pain, diminish it, or get rid of it altogether? We all have pain. Well, maybe we can ask God, as Jabez did, for these four things. Number one, we need to pray for God's blessing, right? Pray for God's blessing, where he said, oh, that you would bless me. Now, many of us might think, well, is, is that like, you know, a name it and claim it, health and wealth? No, that's not what we're talking about here at all. That's kind of a little detour, I think, from what the scripture teaches us. 
However, blessing is God's supernatural favor. So that's what Jabez is praying here. God, that your supernatural favor would be bestowed upon me. And, and it's, it's being bestowed on us or placed on us to the point where things happening in our lives can't be explained except that it's God doing it. So that's God's supernatural favor. Now the hurdle that some of us have, even sitting here, is that, you know, I don't think God really wants to bless me. Or maybe, you know, I know God's got a few favorites that he'll bless, but he wouldn't want to bless me. Well, we can see in Scripture that God is not a withholder, but a blesser. And we can see that in Psalms chapter 5, verse 12, where it says, Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Now, you might be sitting here saying, You know, Jamie, you don't know what I did today or you did last week. I don't feel very righteous. Well, let me tell you something. If you're a believer, if you receive Jesus as your Savior, you are righteous because he has made you righteous. You have the righteousness of Christ on your life. There's a scripture that tells us says, that Jesus Christ has become for us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. You are righteous because of Jesus Christ and not because of anything you did or didn't do. So God puts his favor around us like a shield, and it goes with us everywhere we go. We go to the mall, it's at home, at work, to Disney World. No matter where we go, God's favor is upon us. So why does God want to bless us? It's not just so that we can have more and more. I can build a bigger barn and stick my stuff in it, and I have to build another barn because God, just keep it coming, keep it coming. No, no, no. It's not about that. It's about blessing others. And we can see that in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. I will bless you, and you will be a blessing to others. So that's the purpose of the blessing, is that we be a blessing to others. So think about it. We can't dispense what we don't possess, right? We can't provide encouragement if we're discouraged. We can't share God's peace if we're in chaos. We can't encourage marriages if ours is unstable, we can't provide financial blessing or bless someone financially or give them guidance if we're in tremendous debt. So God wants every area of our lives to be blessed. This is the Abrahamic blessing. You can read about it in Galatians chapter 3 as well. And it's on us due to what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Nothing about us in that. So this is a thy kingdom come, thy will be done prayer, which we won't pray if we're focused on our pain. Our pain is like a black hole. It just kind of sucks the life out of us. It sucks our attention. Everything, it just gets pulled in it. It's hard to break out of this gravitational pull. If we just keep focusing on our pain, it makes us ineffective. We won't be doing the things and being the blessing that God would want us to be. So the first prayer, when we're in pain, the first prayer in our, from our mouth should be, God, I want to line myself up with your will being done on the earth. Not God, deal with my pain. And we can see that God is not a withholder as Jesus describes 
our Father in heaven on this next slide from Matthew chapter 7. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus is telling us your Father in heaven wants to give you good things. It's kind of just like our parents, right? For those of us who are parents, we want to bless our children. That's what we want to do for our kids. We want to bless them. We want to be a blessing to them. And Jesus is saying, if, if we're like that, evil compared to the goodness of God, right? How much more God our Father is. So now we ask God, God blesses us. Now we've got to seek out how we can bless others. So that leads us to the second point. We need to pray for influence. God, enlarge my territory. So you know, even people like Billy Graham and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., they had people in their lives who influenced them toward Christ. Just think of what may come of the people whose lives you influence. We want to do something with our lives to make a difference. This is why the Apostle Paul, he prays a prayer for us. And we can see this is one of his recorded prayers in Scripture in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 19, where he says, I ask, ask the God of our Master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally, and it continues, your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to do and to grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. And he goes on to say, oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him and this energy and boundless strength. So we need to pray, God, bless me indeed. Bless me with as much as you're willing to give and trust me with. Enlarge my territory. Help me to be an influencer. Lord, help me to help others to know you better. And instead of being focused on our issues and our own limitations, let's step out and trust that God will bless us and expand our spheres of influence. So we need to get a dream, a God-sized dream, and a dream for what God has for us and for our lives. So what's the biggest dream that we can dream for God? Where we can make a difference? Think about that. Maybe some of you already, God's been speaking to your heart. And he's been giving you a dream. Why should we have a God-sized dream or a dream to make a difference? And say, yep, God, I think that's the greatest thing that I could possibly do for you. Well, let's take a look now at Ephesians chapter 3 keeping that dream in mind. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, dream, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Whatever your dream is, God wants to do immeasurably more through us than we could ask or think. So some of us are not praying for God to enlarge our territory. We're just praying to God about our pain. Many of us even will discount ourselves. We're saying, you know, look at my limitations. 
I can't do this. And so we start looking at the things we can't do. I want to tell you a, a short story here about a young woman. Her name is Agnes Boyajeo. And, you know, as a young lady, young woman, she started a ministry that today feeds more than 500,000 uh, people every year. And she was being interviewed, and because of this ministry, feeding half a million people a year, a person asked her, what's going to happen when you die? What's going to happen when you pass? And she said, if God finds a person even more useless than me, he will do even greater things through her. We might know Agnes Boyagio as Mother Teresa. So we want to live a life that matters. And, and, and we want to make a difference in the lives of others. And in doing so, our pain will diminish. If we want to be free from our pain, we need to live in a large territory kind of life. So we pray if you bless me, Lord, if you increase my sphere of influence, I'm going to need your hand upon me because I'm not going to be able to do this myself. Which leads us to the third prayer of Jabez. We need to pray for the presence of God. Which is when he said, let your hand be with me. In the Old Testament, God's hand represented his presence. And we can see this in Acts chapter 11 where it says, the Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. That's because God's hand, his presence, was with them at that time. This was right after the stoning of Stephen. Persecution was being uh, uh, performed against the church, the first church, right, and the believers. And God poured out his power. So Jabez's prayer was answered. He said, I want to be blessed. I want to be an influencer. And now I want and need your presence. Why? Because he realized, just as we see in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, that it's, it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's, God, it's by God's spirit, says the Lord of hosts. This was an incredible situation for Zerubbabel. He was actually called back and God spoke to him saying they were exiled and while they're exiled, the, the, the people who were, the, the, the armies that were there, the people that were residing in their land, just destroyed the temple. God told Zerubbabel, that's easy, <laughs> to come back and to rebuild the temple with the debris that was left from the, destructed, the destroyed temple. So you could see where, what a daunting task. But Zerubbabel knew he couldn't do it by himself, and God encouraged him that it wasn't by anything he could do. I know it feels better if we're qualified and we're confident in our own abilities. Maybe, you know, to even feel that we're well-educated. But we don't know, need to endure this type of pressure of life when stepping out into unfamiliar territories, at least not on our own. We can invite God and his presence to help us. And you know what? Sometimes it's a lot more fun when things work out this way we're not qualified we're not competent we're not educated and God still has his way so it's not our abilities that matter to God but our availability even the Apostle Paul recognized he needed God and his enabling presence to help spread the gospel and you know what we're gonna put up 
I want you to, to substitute your name where we see the highlighted words. And that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It's not that we, put your name in there, think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. And it continues. He has created us to be ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant not of written laws, but of the spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the spirit gives life. So Paul is saying, God has qualified us. We can't do this on our own. God has enabled us to be ministers of this new covenant. So we need to pray for his presence. Lord, I can't do this, but with your hand upon me. We need to pray for his blessing and pray for influence, which could mean maybe stepping up into a leadership or a serving role, a little out of our comfort zone. Maybe you want to come join the Valley Dream Team. We could sure use your help. And then what we'll find is our pain will diminish when we focus on something that's bigger than our pain. And then we pray for God's presence and his hand to be upon us. So then if all these three things come together, we have to beware. I got some bad news for you. <clears throat> because when we're praying this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done type of prayer, the enemy will attack us. If he can't keep us out of heaven, he will try to keep us so distracted by our pain that we'll be less effective. He'll do everything possible to sideline us so we won't sense God's blessing. We'll shrink back from being an influencer and we won't sense the power of God's presence. He will attack us. So the fourth thing we need to pray is to pray for God's protection. Keep me from harm. <clears throat> Jabez didn't ask to be kept from all the sorrows of life, but he did request that God would keep him from the effects of evil. Peter warns us that we need to be aware of the same. Where in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, <clears throat> Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. So, you know, at this time, lions were not uncommon in Israel. So, this type of warning was a real graphic depiction to the believers that, you know, there is a predator out there. And this kind of reminds me of a few weeks back, Greg talking about any of us who might. Um, you know, we're a believer, but we're not plugged into any particular church. And he called that an orphan. And I like to watch nature uh, shows and channels on TV. And I like to watch like Nat Geo, for example, or Animal Planet. And it's frightful to see what happens to orphans. So God does not want that to happen to us. So please, find a place, find a body or a family of believers where God wants you and plug in there. David was also painfully aware of these kind of attacks where in Psalms chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, said, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying to me, God will not deliver him, but you, O Lord, are shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. So David recognized that God was a shield about him. And on these same uh, Nat Geo channels, I was watching it, it was just amazing, it was, uh, it was showing up in Alaska where there was musk ox and the wolves were chasing them, trying to split off one of the calves. 
and he, he was successful in doing so. But when the mature musk ox saw this happening, they circled around, they formed a, a circle literally around the calf, shoulder to shoulder, with their horns pointed out. And the wolves just departed because they knew that this was a formidable shield. They were not getting through it. And that's what God does for us. He puts a shield around us. And in the same prayer that we were discussing here about our, our Father, the Lord's Prayer, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 13, Jesus instructs us to pray, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So this is delivery, deliverance not just from present attacks, but from the attacks that are to come. So praying a thy kingdom come, thy will be done kind of prayer will need God's protection as never before. When temptation comes knocking, let Jesus answer the door. And just remember that there's always an emergency exit. We can find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, that tells us that no temptation has overtaken us, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we're able. But with the temptation, we'll provide the way of escape also, that we are able to endure it. So there's always a right way out. So prayer, again, is when we align our hearts with God's will, with his will. So let's not start off our prayers focused on telling God about our pain. But let's align our hearts with his will. And today and every day ahead, let's pray this kind of prayer of thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Though you bow your heads and we'll pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word and for what we just learned from this man Jabez's life. For some of us, it's time to make decisions about becoming a thy kingdom come, thy will be done kind of person. Lord, we want to commit that this will be our first prayer and it will be for blessing, influence, presence, and protection. God, I don't want to be a person focused on my pain, but focused on what your agenda for my life is and how you can use me to bless and influence others. Some of us here are waiting for confidence to build up in our own abilities before stepping out into an uncomfortable role, maybe leadership or serving, or we're waiting for our own problems to be resolved before doing something with our lives. Help us to trust you and your enabling power. Some of us here need to connect with you for the first time with a powerful God before this process can even start. And for those of you, maybe that applies to you can follow me in this prayer saying, God, I believe you sent your son Jesus who lived a perfect life, died a substitutionary death on the cross on my behalf for my sins. I'm sorry for my sins and turn from them. I receive Jesus as my Savior and surrender my life to you. Thank you, God, for accepting me as your child. And for the rest of us, Father, I pray that you would bless your people indeed, that you would expand their influence and let them know your presence. And when the enemy comes against them, that you, Lord, would place a shield of protection about them and deliver them. In Jesus' name, amen.